Thanks for listening to another episode of Complex Identities. This is your host, Juan Marcos Berjano Gutierrez. If you listened to the last podcast episode, we were talking about something that's probably unexpected if you've just jumped into this podcast, and that was the conquest of Mexico by the Spaniards in the beginning of the 16th century and the development of Spanish and Mexican society. And the reason that we talked about that was we wanted to understand that as a model to see how Mexican identity or colonial identity and Iberian identity or Spanish identity developed in relation to each other. Now, if you were patient enough to go through that first uh, part of the podcast episode, then now we want to sort of return to, of course, our primary topic, which is the connections and the relationship between Judaism and Christianity. You're probably asking, how do we relate this to this topic? Well, um, let me start out by saying I appreciate it if you've lasted that long and and, uh, listening to the podcast, but the issue is as follows. Judaism and Christianity, and this is the key point as we know them today, and this is the critical point today, did not exist in the first centuries of the Common Era in the same form. Now, of course, that's not to say that people did not recognize what we would might, might consider near-universal Jewish observances like the Sabbath or Shabbat or the lighting of, of candles or beliefs like the election of Israel or the giving of the Torah, things of this, of this nature. Uh, or even, if you were to look at the Christian side, even nascent Christian rituals. But the fully developed theological systems and the boundaries of these entities did not exist in the same way that they did in later periods of history. Now, just as Mexicans, uh, as we talked about in the last episode, or Spaniards struggled to determine their identity independently and in relation to one another, so too Jews and Christians have struggled to do the same. Enmity towards the other obviously arose in certain quarters. We know that from the study of anti-Semitism in early Christian writings. And the tragedy of these events and these uh, comments that were made by the early Christian community often prevent us, unfortunately, from a meaningful and honest discussion even today. Of course, we have a lot of emotional issues that have transpired in the 20th century. Of course, the Shoah, the Holocaust being the major one. But even then, even when Christian denominations uh, have admitted and sought to address their participation in long-standing anti-Jewish sentiments, we still have these difficulties in the Jewish community in recognizing that. Now, some early Christians viewed Jews as what I call theological phantoms or enemies ever present to mislead the faithful. And we can see that in, in different sources. But while some church fathers maintained this point of view, Many Christians were conscious that such depictions of Jews were gravely distorted. Alternatively, they ignored the negative images of early church leaders, or the other alternative is that they were simply unaware of them. This is evidenced by the continued association of Christians with Jews and the frequent condemnation in various quarters of these ongoing practices. Now, If we look at the Jewish side, the early strata of rabbinic literature does not seem to have been that concerned with Christians as a group. 
the rabbis of the first generations were involved with providing structure to Jewish life in the aftermath of several failed rebellions against Rome and the loss of the Beit HaMikdash, the temple. Sometimes I think people forget that the first Jewish rebellion against Rome was the first of three, as, as I mentioned. Um, the first, of course, was from 66 to 73. And then we have the Quitos War, which again is, is usually not discussed at all by most people, um, lasting from 115 to 117 CE. And then, of course, finally, the Bar Kokhba Rebellion, which is really in many ways the most devastating from 132 to 135. Um, and so this, it's important to keep those things in mind. Now, Christianity may have been a concern for the rabbis, though it doesn't seem that it was that grave of, a, of an issue. Um, it appears primarily regulated under the, the rubric of minut. Minut is the designation that the early rabbis used to classify sectarians. It's a catch-all term, if you will, that includes Christians, but these encounters in the earliest layer of rabbinic literature appear to be meaningful. Interestingly, I noted, uh, I was reading that Shia Cohen, one of the scholars that I mentioned at the beginning of the series of podcast episodes, that there are 523 chapters in the Mishnah, which is the, the first strata of rabbinic literature, the foundation of the oral law and the foundation of the Talmud, 523 chapters. And yet, we only find nine passages in those chapters that deal with heretics, basically the equivalent of one chapter. So the purpose of comparing Judaism and Christianity to the encounter between the Spanish and the Aztec Empire is to understand that our visions of the past are often very different from the day-to-day -day interactions that existed. The distinct boundaries we take for granted today were no doubt already forming but it was a process. It was a brick by brick process. And the reality is that things were very porous and fluid. And it was often unclear where exactly the, the differences started and ended, where the line was drawn, if you will. And so I note that like an unfinished wall, one can see the shape forming, but it was not an accomplished fact. And many people today believe that both communities were clearly defined identifiable and homogeneous, and they have a tendency to apply modern uh, denominational terms to the past. And of course, you can see this in Christianity, but you can also see this in the Jewish community. But the reality is that these religious systems were not uniform, and we cannot use modern day terms without being anachronistic. Now, if we posit that the rabbis and the church fathers did not have the authority and the power to delineate between Christians and Jews definitively, and that's the key point, then our understanding of the, of the environment of Judaism and Christianity has to be different, different excuse me, than what we generally imagine. And this is really the, the heart of what I'm trying to get to. Neither the rabbis nor the church fathers of the first centuries of the Common Era could figuratively wave a magic wand and banish their opponents. The ability of the rabbis, in fact, to control the synagogues was undoubtedly limited. They could only exercise influence and authority where it was given to them. And as the Talmud notes, their influence could at times be minimal. 
Now, the power of the rabbis was significant in many ways, and it was incredibly restricted in others. In most cases, rabbinic authority was constrained by the extent to which the local populace accepted the rabbis' jurisdiction, as well as the degree to which the Persian and Roman ruling powers allowed them to operate.